Hi, everyone. This is And Just Like That, The Writer's Room, the official companion podcast from HBO Max and Pineapple Street Studios. I'm Michael Patrick King, executive producer, writer, and director of And Just Like That. And here with me, as always, we have executive producer and writer Julie Rottenberg. Hiya. And executive producer and writer Elisa Zaritsky. Hi, everyone. Hi. Okay, well, we'll get to episode seven in a minute, and it is called Sex and the Widow. But I'd like to remind you, or gently push you, if you haven't seen episodes one through six, please go watch them now. And seven. And seven. And then come back, and hopefully you'll know what we're talking about. It won't be so much of a parlor game as what? What? (laughs) Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, now I know what they meant. All right. So this is Sex and the Widow, and it is written by Julie and Elisa. Very exciting. It's actually the first time the word widow is used in the Mm -hmm. show. And it's funny because originally that idea of being a widow was going to be front and center in this episode, so we were protecting that word viciously the whole series, one through this episode, and we wound up discovering it had a different heart at the center of the episode than the word widow, but it is something that we felt like we had to address, this the horrible W word. And the widow um, actually was such a big story that we we realized that the heart of this show really was not that she was a widow, but that she was a widow who was going on a date. Mm-hmm. So it was the long-awaited, will they put Carrie Bradshaw mm-hmm. back on a date? And I think because we all knew it was this inevitable question that it's true. I have been asked this a lot. Is she going to date? Is she going to date? When is she going to date? And I think we all felt partly because we wanted to stay true to the reality of someone who has lost the love of her life. Um, And also Sarah Jessica very smartly said, I never want to be in a situation where someone's saying, you have to go on a date. So we knew what we didn't want but we knew we wanted to get her out on a date, and we realized the way to do that would be this side door of a professional nudge from her editor. And really from Oprah Winfrey, because (laughs) how else? And the question of sex. Sex is not in the title of And Just Like That. And here it is, people want to see Carrie on on a date with men. And wrestling with this question of, will I ever have sex again? So we knew that we wanted her to go on a date, but we didn't want to spend months of storytelling Mm -hmm. getting her there. So we came up with this idea that we would go from fall through winter in one very slick, very Technicolor montage where Carrie is writing through three months. You see the autumn leaves fall, you see rain, you see snow, and then spring comes. And it's this amazing vintage Carly Simon song called Spring. And it just gets you like through this in a minute, 20 seconds, which would take three months. And what she's writing drops us right into the publisher's office. But before we talk about what she actually did write, There were other thoughts about what she wrote for three months, and what were they? Our initial feeling was she's going to be sitting at her computer, typing, 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 typing. Then we're going to meet the editor, and we're going to learn that she's written 
lots of cute, funny essays about all, basically everything but the death of her husband. Witty observations. Yes. About like New York. Just trying to be her regular self. And then her editor was going to say, this is lovely writing. It's not a book. How did you avoid this yeah, you're right. major topic? You're writing about, you know, Grace papaya closing, but you're right. not writing about the death. And then once that was in the world and we read it, it became so depressing that Carrie Bradshaw had spent months yeah. writing the wrong thing mm-hmm. that we couldn't bear it. Well, and back to one of the first rules you taught us, which is a character in denial is it's it's a very short-sighted story because mm-hmm. we know where she's going next. It's so an let's inward arc over. that you can't yes. possibly mm-hmm. dramatize. So mm-hmm. in the montage, if you look at it again, you'll see that there's a dark, dark in the winter part where she is writing about the death. And you can see Sarah Jessica feeling that. And we actually wrote some lines for her to be read while she was typing very specifically to losing someone and the actual event in the shower. And then we come into Amanda, who is her publisher, and she is devastated and thrilled about this sad book. And then I like that she has that turn where she decides, wow, maybe this is too dark. Maybe I just needed to write this for me because as writers, we know sometimes you need to write something to move through it and it doesn't necessarily mean it should be out in the world. But her editor says, I respectfully disagree. And then we have that scene with her And the women. And I will say we talked about the fact that Seema was joining them in that drink scene. Well, before you do that, the fact of the matter is that's where we use Oprah as the Mm -hmm. wedge to get her into dating. It's Oprah's book club. If you put in the hope epilogue, even just a page, go on one date. Half a page. An Mm -hmm. epilogue. Epilogue. She just keeps getting it, mitigating it down to whatever Carrie might do. But this woman cannot not have Carrie Bradshaw go on a date, much like the audience cannot not have Carrie Bradshaw go on a date. Mm -hmm. So um, she says, Oprah's book people are interested if there's a glimmer of hope, which gets us into the cocktail scene. Mm -hmm. It's the only, so far, it's the only nighttime drink scene. In the entire episode, and Miranda's not drinking, but the other three are. And it's the first time Seema's with Mm -hmm. the four of them at cocktails. And I remember this conversation that we had was, do we address it or do we not address it? Um, Address the fact that Seema's the four of them. And we decided we didn't want to interrupt the scene to have them nod because— We felt like she's earned the right to be there. And also, that's three months. We went yeah. through the winter. We don't. Yes. We said we don't know if they had drinks or if they met. It was a, a, got us forward right. and that moved was, us forward. But that was of one time. of those great, like heated conversations in the writers' room where, you know, we we had different opinions about. Do we shine a light on it or do we not? Plus, we already played the uh, I'm new to the table at lunch in episode five with Anthony when he's like, this is my first lunch with you ladies. So we thought, eh, three months. I was of the belief, don't put a don't put a spotlight on to, it. No, yes, I don't want to put a spotlight. Yes. Oh, you're the fourth now. Right. And one of my favorite discoveries about that scene was the fact that Seema had already put Carrie up on the dating sites because we also had a lot of conversations. Would... Are we going to watch 
Are oh, we yeah. are we are going we to watch, watch Carrie, Carrie get her make a profile? Yes. And is that gonna be a sequence that would have been fine? I'm sure we could have done it, but let's face didn't. it, we've all seen those montages. We've you probably as a viewer expected that at some point, but I think you're happy that Seema just did it for her. The idea well we were happy. We spared you that. We had the idea <laughs> that Seema <laughs> staged her like an apartment, the way you would stage an apartment. It moves us along. It also avoided Carrie having to do it herself, we needed to literally make it so easy by having Seema say, you're getting a lot of interest. Because I remember in the writing room, me saying, there's no way if somebody <laughs> told me I was getting a lot of interest. No matter how sad you No were. matter how sad I was, no matter how much <laughs> I didn't want to date, you're going to yeah. go and go, well, let's see what kind of interest Who's I'm getting. Interested Who's interested in me, in me yes. that doesn't know me, just from a visual and a totally. profile. Totally. So to me, I thought if she was engaged, if it was right there, mm -hmm. fast food, yes. she was going to have it. It was there. She didn't have to set it up because she makes jokes about, can I just kill myself? Yeah. I'm I'll exhausted. I'll go out with that dog. I'll go out <laughs> right. with that dog. And the interesting thing about that scene in the editing room, there were lots more jokes in it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And when I was in the That's editing room, I was like, that write. feels like the old show. That feels like the old show. That yeah. feels like the old show. They're past that. There were jokes mm. about we didn't date on apps. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. Cave, that cave, was cave drawings. Cave, we yeah. used to get yes. man's names off right. the cave, cave walls. Right. And I was just like, mm, yeah. Right. Yeah. It was computer a, dating. Over. Yeah. Computer dating. Yeah. Like, and then it was made the them shadow, seem, dark and yes, shadowy yes, thing. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. But it was like, oh, no, they're both current. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Charlotte knows everything about yeah. apps because she has so, two kids. And so it just started like, what's along. the lighter, more grown up version? Yeah. And the fact that Seema surprises them by saying, I made a profile for you on Valentine's Day. <laughs> on my lunch break. <laughs> on my lunch break because there's no real estate in winter. So it gets us right in that ballpark of and caring. And so Seema. I mean, we all know this person who's just like a doer and a fixer, and I believe it. And I believe it too. And the other fun thing about Sarita, Sarita, who plays Seema, said to me that night, I hope the first four takes are okay because I was completely out of my body. I just kept looking at the three of them going, <laughs> I'm in the show That's that I used crazy. to watch. That's crazy. She kept saying, I was now at the table having drinks, and I my mind was blown. Oh my God. Meanwhile, so, she seems so nonchalant. She's such Yeah, a good she actor. just couldn't believe she it. was in Sex in the City after having <laughs> watched it all these years. It was the moment where she realized, oh, they're so all meta. here, yeah, not just yeah. Carrie. Oh I'm God. with Miranda and Charlotte and Seema. But she was totally out of her mind the whole first couple of takes. The interesting thing about Carrie going back and uh, looking at who's interested is that she picks a widower. Mm -hmm. And yes. it's played by John Tenney. Mm. Now, the journey of who would be the guy and what it would be was a total evolution. Yeah, at true. first, it was going to be just the worst date yeah. possible mm -hmm. that Seema was going to go on a double date with her right. and protect her. Right. And we were going to do the comedy date. And then that didn't feel as grown up as Carrie would be. And then we were like, who's this guy? And when it became John Tenney, we realized, oh, there's more to Peter mm -hmm. than one right. line. Originally, the guy had one, it the was, character, it was Peter. Just, and, and then we were never going to see him again. Yes. And much like episode three, where the comedy concert was always we lived, at, to lived at the end of the episode, no matter what. 
This episode also, for reasons, you know, who knows why, we always knew that that school auction was going to be at the end of the show. And for several drafts, we were never going to see that date guy again. And then we realized, no, he has to come back. He's not a one-off. And that's when we made him a teacher to make sure that he would be at the school. mm -hmm. And the reason we kind of wanted the auction— the school benefit, was we were always looking for ways to bring the worlds together. Mm -hmm. And LTW being organizing with Charlotte, the school, and then Carrie being a mini-celebrity, being somebody who's on auction because we really wanted Carrie to be humiliated when no one would bid on her. And, and when I pitched to Sarah Jessica <laughs> this— say, Go ahead. I wanted to just make sure that it, people knew Sarah Jessica— Loved the loved idea, of laughed being out humiliated. loud. She loved. She got the comedy context of Carrie <laughs> on an auction bidding. block as a single <laughs> widow that no one was bidding Not against. Being bidded. <laughs> so anyway, from the one guy who raises his hand and says, "No, we have a spill here. Yeah, we have a spill. Can we get a waiter." Um, the reality is that he wound up being this really viable being who has also suffered an enormous mm-hmm. loss of his wife, so they have something in common. And the scene's so amazing because it starts with Carrie in that blue dress Mm -hmm. walking to the date. And by the way, now that we're talking about paparazzi shots and how frequently, whatever, wherever we were shooting outside in New York, there were always, you know, paparazzi would get there first, then tourists would show up. And when we were shooting, we knew we were going to be shooting Carrie and her date vomiting outside a restaurant. We wanted to protect that so hard (laughs) from all of the Instagram sites that locations, we specifically chose an alley. It's an alley in New York. A restaurant in an alley so that you we know, could own it. We could actually block the the shots from wires. And know, Ellen, Carrie vomiting outside with her date. And the paparazzi can be very persistent. And Ellen, who is our AD, basically charmed the most uncharmable paparazzi. She said, "This one, please go away." And they just went <laughs> away, and we got the vomiting by itself. Mm-hmm. But so you have that this dress. That, but, that but dress. dress. And the funny mm-hmm. thing about that, everybody went crazy for that dress and Molly was like, that's the dress we had to have because we could get five of them for the vomit. When you're doing a special effects event, you have to have multiple costumes in case the dress gets vomited on, which was our <laughs> which was special our dream. Effects. So we it's knew that it was going to go from this delicate pain to this, and the image we kept coming up with is like two gunslingers leaving a saloon, like drunk, bow, yeah, coming nice. out, bow, drunk out of their minds. Now, here's the backstory of this scene. The most challenging, complicated scene was the vomiting because we thought they needed to have rigs on them, vomit rigs, which was a tube that went up alongside their mouth that was connected to a long tube that went under their dress or under his pant and down the street to two special effects guys who would then launch pumps of vomit. (laughs) And then they would try to turn their faces away from the camera so that the vomit would be projectile. And it was 
truly a Max Senate comedy. The 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 FX guys got fired afterwards, the special it effects took, guys. Never, it ever, took forever. It didn't work. And they kept trying to tape these plastic tubes to Sarah Jessica and John's face. And finally Sarah Jessica said, fill up a liter <laughs> bottle of the vomit with stuff. fake vomit <laughs> right now. Take the tapes off. Take everything away. And she chugged a two-liter thing of vomit and did it herself. How she did that? I don't know how. I she don't, was like it, a, was it, it was crazy. It was crazy. It went out first. You can't. You can't do. I mean, you can't like hold that much she, in your mouth. She, she knew she, she could, could do it. The first, and he put a little bit in his mouth. So what you're seeing <laughs> in the show is actually no special effects. It's Sarah Jessica and John Tenney. Acting. Acting vomit out of their <laughs> mouths. But Sarah Jessica, if you watch it again, and I like the Zabruta film, I, I beg you to watch it again. Sarah Jessica unloads one whole chamber of vomit. And, then and another. you think that's it. And, and then, then she has like a secret way, chamber. I'm really hoping okay. not having breakfast, lunch, with or dinner this. with us. Okay. That <laughs> is her New York City ballet training, I think. Yes. Her diaphragm it, it is so like strong. It was like the clown car where like where are those clowns yes. coming from? But here's the great thing about it. What the story wanted was something that went incredibly sad to incredibly outrageously gross. That was the only way we wanted to get Carrie Bradshaw on a date was to have it be a complete disaster. Right. We didn't want it to be a disaster of, oh, he's a jerk, or, oh, he's annoying, loser, or, oh, he's yeah. a loser, or, yeah, oh, he just wants to have sex. Like, any oh, version— Oh, oh, they're a little drunk. Right. right. Any other version of the date gone wrong, we didn't want to see. I will say, like, Sex in the City covered a lot of bad dates. <laughs> I mean, we could come up—we can, and we will come up with more bad dates, but it—, it it you was know, a good it, it's one. Challenging. And the other thing too, <laughs> the volume of alcohol and the volume of drinking is the only thing that can patch up the pain that they're both experiencing. Yeah. So they drank so much that they became numb and they couldn't even Function. contain themselves. Yeah. And, and those, then you think it's over, you'll never see him again. Yeah, and the other thing that I love about Sarah Jessica in the benefit when she's on the auction block. And she bids a thousand on herself, and she goes, "I bid a thousand, so now you can." And she right. just swings her hand. There's no, gavel. there's no, there's no line written about a gavel. She just that was all her. She yeah. just absolutely like do that thing where the you swing the gavel and the misery and the misery, and that it's great because then Charlotte, of course, is trying to take care of her and making it worse. But eventually, the one who bids on her is the. Sweet. Vomit date. The vomit date. Yeah. Professor and, uh, Puke? <laughs> they call him Professor Puke. Anthony calls him Professor Puke. And then they have what is ostensibly a first meet cute after a meet bat. Mm -hmm. Where he yeah, says, let's go out, it's for the kids. Yeah. And he's so charming, and you guys wrote him so adorably, that you just see Carrie going, yeah, what? why not? Let's have a date. Yeah. And then he sends her... A vomit emoji, looking forward to our next date. As you do. Right. And that's <laughs> the thing the that gets her to the computer. And right. That's like the first moment that she actually could imagine, oh, maybe, who knows. Yeah. And maybe there's a and glimmer really of something. really is the glimmer of And it's hope. really yeah. just a glimmer. It's just a vomit emoji. But it is something that makes her open the computer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and it right. had to be a small thing. We felt like it had to be a small but big 
thing. Okay, I want to not skip over another very important scene that came right out of Elisa Zeritsky's oh. life. Naya and Andre Rashad. I love. In <laughs> the car. First of all, we wanted to show, and we had a number of different ideas of how we could do this, but we wanted to show the two couples, Andre Rashad and Naya Opening and Miranda. Opening up the world, yes. bringing those two couples together. And Miranda and Steve. So at the farmer's market, because we decided, especially if you live in Brooklyn, you always go to the farmer's market that they would all run into each other. And that Miranda says when she sees, finally she meets Andre Rashad, when she sees them kiss, she says, if you were a streaming series, I'd watch you. And that's the opposite of what you see with... What she's feeling. With Miranda and Steve, when he comes over more realistically, like anyone at a farmer's market, (laughs) wears the... Milk. Stressed out right. and well, grumpy. Lost and, my wallet. Yeah, that's my Steve. The other, and the, then, of course, she reveals in that scene, in the Naya pregnancy storyline, yeah. that even though they're not trying IVF anymore, they did have, she was pregnant for a couple of weeks and told him, and then she got her period. And this is another... Or she thought she was pregnant. Yeah, and this is another storyline that we kind of wrestled a lot with, like how how do we keep this alive, keep it fresh, not bore the audience with just endless conversation about, ugh, I'm trying to get pregnant, I'm not pregnant, I'm trying to get pregnant. So we wanted to figure out a way for Miranda to sort of enter that pregnancy story in in the Naya Andre Rashad marriage. Um, we in wanted a comic, in a awful comic way. way. We were like, how how would she do it? How would she fuck it and up? And how would she fuck it up in a way that we're not mad at Miranda? So. We, right, we used to have it at the house. We had other oh, ways. Oh, we had so many versions like, of her right. saying right. something. So then, so then this like— It was too obvious for Miranda to make that mistake. This hilariously awful thing happened with my family. I was in New York, and my husband and two kids were driving to Washington, D.C. for something that I, I, couldn't, I couldn't drive with them. And I texted my husband something that I only wanted him to read. And I assumed, because I was texting him, that he would only read it. And what happened was in the car, he saw a text was coming through on our little Apple Play, you know, phone hookup, hit a button that robotically read the text out loud to my kids and so they all burst and that you out laughing specifically you said one <laughs> there thing. was something and i won't share what it was but it said please don't tell the kids i don't i don't want to upset please don't I, tell, please the, don't tell kids. the kids I, so i then, don't want to bum them out <laughs> right so then i learned that it it read out loud to the kids please don't tell the kids i don't want to upset I, them and we laughed so we and, laughed and, and laughed and then realized that has to happen that would be the only way that you're not mad at miranda because she innocently texted this information and by the way that, that people play with i'm sorry you're not pregnant was is the thing that comes through that <laughs> right. And then the comedy. For what it's worth. <laughs> and Naya's driving, and it's all very happy. And then all of a sudden, uh, she's trying to get the thing off. And and instead, she forgets the red light. And Andre Rashad hears the bad news, and they jam the brakes on. And there is a character named Drama Dad uh, who is walking the street safely away from where they stop, but takes it into his personal dramatic sphere and comes <laughs> over and just starts screaming, I have a toddler. That line <laughs> that's straight that's, out of Michael's life. <laughs> I have a toddler. That happened. 
not to me, at a, at a movie theater, I heard someone screaming at someone because of their toddler. And the other thing, too, the interesting thing about when you start to try to weave all these characters together is trying to show new sides. And the Charlotte storyline, which was... I, I have to say, I think the you, word you, is. You know, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, the, <laughs> I'm like scared when you, to hear what's you know, when you next. go to somebody's house and they have a dog <laughs> with a tennis ball, and they just keep dropping the ball at your feet, and they want you to throw it, and you throw it once, and then it comes and then back, you're like, Ugh, and no, no, and it comes back, and then it, you drop it, and then you throw it. That's Elisa <laughs> and this story. tennis storyline. <laughs> It's well, so true. It's so true. Come on, okay. Lise. No, it's true. I, I, I don't <laughs> deny that I am the dog with the tennis ball. Um, when you smell a story, <laughs> it's it's like a different heightened thought from Elisa. When she smells something, I have to trust that it's well, something. Okay, so I have—I guess this is the moment where I come out of the closet about my tennis problem. So I am not— a very good tennis player. I am not a lifelong tennis player. I, I am a late in true. life tennis late in life. player. And tennis has has a, a bizarre effect on me where I when I play, I become aggressive. Aggressive and competitive. And competitive and all of the things that I don't generally shy be. away from in the rest of my so life. So Elisa drops this tennis ball at our feet constantly about Charlotte. Charlotte plays tennis like a motherfucker, like you've never seen Charlotte. And so I came into the writer's room this season with a whole, like, bag, a, like a suitcase, An a duffel bag <laughs> of possible <laughs> tennis stories because it's so explosive for me, and I'm such a freak when I play. So I pitched a million <laughs> different versions of a tennis story, and really like a whole tennis arc. I wanted her to be playing basically in every episode. <laughs> That's None and, of this is true. <laughs> it's all true. <laughs> it is. Um, <laughs> but one, but But one of the stories that I must have told in that first, you know, monologue, hour-long monologue about tennis was this— really heated fight that my husband and I, one of the biggest fights we ever had was after playing tennis, walking home, I believe I stopped the game in the middle so that we could leave the tennis court and we fought all along Atlantic Avenue on the way home from the tennis court to our house. So I think Michael, even though he's, you know, Calling me a dog with a bone. I think he <laughs> recognized. Oh yeah, I recognize the fun of, of, New York. of Charlotte so and New Harry, York. especially ripping each other's heads yeah, off. Yeah, I was on very, very happy about two things in the pitch. Number one, your passion, which is always what you follow, is Elise's passion about something, <laughs> and it gets very specific. The first thing that you pitched that I loved was the fight on the street. And then I loved who would see it. And then we started saying, oh, a BLTW and Herbert. And this is really about taking another layer of that friendship away, the fake friendship to the real friendship. Like they see each other and Charlotte, who's always been so concerned about people's opinions and what they think of her and what's proper, being so mad at Harry that she actually says, you're driving me fucking crazy. <laughs> and it's the only time Charlotte has really said the F word in the entire show. And the evolution of Charlotte in this episode really is somebody who goes from, I'm in a certain frame 
And now I'm outside of that frame. And Harry doesn't know what to do. He says, I'm just meeting this part of you for the first time. It's very unsettling. And the audience is meeting this part of Charlotte for the first time. Yeah, she's, I mean, that's the thing. She's a pleaser. And this is growth for Charlotte is stepping out of the pleaser mode for once in her goddamn life. And, you know, a theory, an idea in theory is a theory. The minute Elisa said tennis, I was like, that's hard to film. Oh, my God. The minute she said tennis, I kept saying, oh, this is a pain in the ass to film. First of all, the first thing you have to do is call up Kristen. (laughs) They run down to Kristen and say, Hi, I have a quick question for you. Do you play tennis at all? Um, no, I don't play. Oh, okay. Well, we'll get back to you on that. And you know, Start many lessons. Learning. Many later, lessons. Cut to her. She's Killing great. Yeah. Well, they're all amazing. But Kristen was so funny because I was there that night, and the only thing I could kept saying to her was, every time she hit really good, she would make this cute face like, "Ooh, a plus." <laughs> and I finally ran up and said, "Kristen, you're a killer, <laughs> killer. I don't want to see delighted hey. that you hit one. You're a killer." Kill it. And she's like, oh, okay. I mean, they were like, and that was an amazing. We filmed all the tennis games and the walk and the thing out inside that amazing complex. And then the outside all in one day, Kristen killed it. And then it all comes to the head at the benefit, which also brings up the final storyline through line, which is Che and Miranda. Now, in the three months while Carrie was writing the book... Miranda was waiting for a reply to her let's hang out text. One of the things that I think was tricky for us as writers to figure out was what is the pace of this Miranda Che relationship? Once they've had that uh, amazing encounter in Carrie's kitchen in episode five, are they off to the races? Are they now? Are they sleeping together? All Like we... We explored a lot of different roads for their relationship to take. And one of the reasons I think this, I'm really happy with where we landed was there are obstacles in even fantasy affairs. Like, you know, we were building this affair, but it didn't have to be easy. There should be wondering, what does this person like me? Do they want to see me again? It should have all the trappings of a relationship in any other scenario. Old Sex in the City. Yes. yes. And that gave us, I, I remember exactly the day you're talking about, that gave us the opening to have Miranda go back to Steve and give it another try. And it comes from that walk and talk with Carrie where they talk about sex. And Miranda asks a very fraught, sensitive question, which is, are are you never going to have sex again? And giving Carrie the chance to say the thought of never doing it again feels awful and the thought of doing it with anyone other than Big is Sick to her stomach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing of Miranda trying to go at it with Steve again is only in the context that she's trying to duplicate exactly what she felt with Che down to the physical positions of... Not to mention the location in her house. Yeah, (laughs) it was a kitchen to a kitchen. It was a finger to a finger. And whereas with Che and Miranda, everything was... 
Organic. Organic. And uh, she, Miranda, was uh, following the lead, uh, which was so thrilling Mm -hmm. for her Mm -hmm. that she was not in charge, that now she's trying to do that again, but she has to be... In charge. In charge Mm -hmm. of the spontaneity. And then instead of just doing it, he washes his hands. And the look on Miranda's face of just like, uh, oh, this isn't going well. And then she literally turns away from him. Mm. And the dialogue is so interestingly spare, the way they do it. They don't even finish each other's sentences. Mm -hmm. Like, he goes, yeah, you're a little. And they were so true to the script. That's exactly as Mm -hmm. it's written, not an extra word. yeah. No. Should I get? Should I get some lube? Eh, eh. And then it just goes away. The moment goes away, and they go back to dishes. And and they're both sort of relieved. And then he goes one more time. And I remember people being very like, oh, really? He's going to go back? He goes, are you Mm -hmm. sure? Because you really had me going there for a bit. Like, he still wants to go. And then he just assumes, well, another time. And And we felt like we would feel more on Miranda's side to see that she's not just giving up. Yeah, that was really important, especially since we weren't going to put them in couples counseling. We weren't going to, And we you even know, said that. We, we mentioned we it. We want to refer to it. They'd already we, been in twice. You, right. you even said that. We it was know, important like, to you. You want to feel like she's given this marriage a college try. Yeah, I mean, the phrase that came up in the writing room that I was so delighted with is zombie sex. Two dead people trying to have sex. It's zombie sex. And that, to me, was very Miranda mm-hmm. to say it was zombie sex. And do you need a therapist? No, we need the cast of Walking Dead. It's, <laughs> she has the overview. She has That's the right. overview. And Carrie and Miranda, at the benefit again, wrapping it all up, leaning in and having a Carrie sex, and Miranda, yeah. like a comforting, loving, trusting relationship, friendship, conversation, just two episodes. Mm-hmm. Again, they were at completely different points of yeah. view. And now Carrie's like, well, what do you think? Yeah. And when she says the cast of Walking Dead, all of a sudden she hears Che's voice, who has been absent from her life because Che is doing stand-up because Charlotte roped in everybody. And Miranda <laughs> just literally walks away from Carrie. And then we see what in other people's hands would be like this adorable reunion and in our hands is more uncomfortable pain for Miranda because she stumbles out thinking Che's going to be excited or hopeful and Che's being totally crushed on by two of the mommies from the mommy group. (laughs) And Miranda takes it hard and starts away And then you get to see Miranda acting. Yeah, we were very excited to have her be a little mm -hmm. um, aloof. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you acting so weird? Well, I don't know how else to act. Yeah. You never answered my text. (laughs) My DM or whatever. Yeah, you know, like she's (laughs) she's in her own movie, and Che is like, "What is going on? Why are you being weird?" (laughs) Miranda's acting like Miranda would act in Mm -hmm. Sex and the City. Mm If she'd been blown guy, off. If it's been blown off by a guy. Yeah. She's trying to maintain her dignity and be aloof and mm-hmm. not give anything Whatevs. up. And, and <laughs> Che is, if nothing else, truthful and honest and just goes, what is going on? 
and then admits that they get a lot of text. And Miranda goes, "Oh, I'm sure you do. You <laughs> like, like you're just one yeah. of the many women right. that she I keeps bed finding a right. reason to feel wounded, wounded." <laughs> right. And then Che finally says, "Why don't you just ask for what you want? That's a turn on." And Miranda's so thrown. And then Che says, "I'd like to go someplace right now. Take off all our clothes." So the sex scene that follows is very sweet. And emotionally, Miranda is completely naked. She actually looks at Che and says, I think I'm in love with you. And Che says, no, you're in love with you with with me. me." Which was important because we don't think, you know, I I always want to get back to that idea that the most significant relationship you have is the one you have with yourself. And if somebody else sees you that way, then that's fabulous. Miranda is seeing herself a way that she loves. It's a completely different Miranda. She is wide open to somebody looking at her directly Mm -hmm. versus what she was in the first time she and Steve Mm -hmm. had sex in the series, which is just, it never happened. I don't feel anything. You can leave. It's casual. And this sex scene, this love scene, is the opposite of casual. And what's thrilling to me is that's what we're chasing, that Miranda's outside of her comfort zone. And just like that, we've reached the end of another podcast episode. Thanks, Elise and Julie, for being here. We'll be back next week to unpack episode eight. See you then. This is the official companion podcast for the HBO Max show, And Just Like That. And it's a production of HBO Max and Pineapple Street Studios. Our executive producers are Barry Finkel, Gabrielle Lewis, Max Zielinski, and Jenna Weiss-Berman. Our senior producer on the show is Emmanuel Hapsis. Jonathan Shiflett is our producer, and Janelle Anderson is our associate producer. Our managing producer is Aaron Kelly. Josh Gwynn is our story editor, and our engineers are Davey Sumner and Elliot Adler. Production music is courtesy of HBO Max. You can listen to the next episode of And Just Like That, the Writer's Room podcast, after watching episode eight of And Just Like That on HBO Max. And don't forget to subscribe for new conversations every week, wherever you get your podcasts. Hacks is coming back, and so is the official Hacks podcast. With us, your hosts. I'm Paul W. Downs. I'm Jen Statsky. And I'm Lucia Aniello. We're the creators and showrunners. Each week on the podcast, we'll break down the new episodes. We'll also have special guests, cast and crew from the show like Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart. Hacks Season 3 is available to stream now on Max. Be sure to listen wherever you get your podcasts or listen directly on Max.